Amen. Amen. Uh, go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10, as we continue on this journey with Jesus uh, and looking at a life, uh, a, a world that is impacted by Jesus. And uh, that's what we were just singing about. Uh, he is not only the way maker, He is the way. He doesn't just make a way, He is the way. He is the, he is the way, uh, and that applies to every area of our life. You know, when we get in those dark times and those, those trials that we go through, uh, we definitely, we, we cry out to him because we know that we can't handle it on our But he's not only the way to make it through those, those tough times in life. He's the way to make it through every time in life. Everything in life needs to be surrendered to him and be, follow after his way because Jesus impacts lives uh, and and that's what we're looking at being impacted by Jesus and what a life that is impacted by Jesus ought to look like uh, and today we're going to be talking specifically how Jesus impacts our, our families how Jesus impacts our marriages how Jesus impacts that area specifically of our lives so Mark chapter 10 let's begin reading in verse 1, where it says, Then he arose from there. There is he is in Galilee. That's the northern part uh, of the nation of Israel. That's where Nazareth is. That's where the Sea of Galilee is. That's where he's been doing a lot of ministry, as we've been looking at uh, here in Mark. But here he is. He's, he's leaving there, and he's coming to the region of Judea by the other side of Jordan. In Judea is where Jerusalem is. And we know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. We are moving into the last week of Jesus' life. He's leaving Galilee to go to Judea to die on the cross. That's what's going on, okay? So here we are. And so here he is on his way. It says, And the multitudes gathered to him again, and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? In other words, what did the Old Testament say? Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. So he's saying, What does the Word of God say? What does the Old Testament say? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. That's not really the full story there. And so Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And the house, his disciples also asked him again about the same manner. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. You know, there are a lot of books out there, there are a lot of studies out there, a lot of sermons have been preached over the years, a lot of talks, a lot of conferences 
own marriage, and, 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 and many of them are, are good and, and well, but, but most of them, they're, you know, they're, they talk about how to uh, get the most out of your marriage, five ideas for a successful marriage, five steps that can help your marriage, and, and those types of things. And, and they're, they're given by people, yes, that have experience. Hopefully, they're given by people who have some knowledge of the Word of God. But if we really, listen, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, and we want to know what God expects of us in our marriage. Shouldn't we go to Jesus? Shouldn't we go to, to, to Him? And, and that's what we have here. This is an important passage of Scripture because Jesus is teaching on marriage. He, he's telling us, you know, what, what it looks like to have a, a, a godly marriage. Let me just tell you something. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against you listening to sermons. I'm glad you're here this morning, Okay. But ultimately, it's, it's not really what, what a man says, and it's not what some book says. And they can have some practical advice, and, and there's really nothing wrong with that. But this is our authority. And we wouldn't need near as many books written by men if we just did what God says, what God's Word says, what Jesus says about marriage and about how, how to obey Him and follow Him in that area of our life. This Word of God is living. This Word of God is, is powerful. This Word of God is perfect. And what we need to do is, is start doing what the Word of God says, and that will fix a lot of the other issues in our marriages and in our families as well. We need to start doing what Jesus says. That's what we need to do. That's why, you know, we've, we've been in the gospel of Mark for a while now. It hadn't been a full year. I know some of you think it's been 20, uh, but it hasn't been a, a full year. And, and why I'm not rushing through this is because I don't want you just to hear my ideas. I want to share with you what God's Word says. And, and that's why I preach through books of the Bible. It's because it, it puts everything in context and also because we've got to deal with everything. I'm not just preaching to, to whatever is, is going on in the culture at, at that time and everything. I'm doing following the Word of God and things will come up. I, if, if it was up to me, I probably would have chosen to preach on marriage today. But preaching through the Word of God, we're preaching on marriage today because the Word of God, Jesus is addressing marriage today. And, and I don't know what's going on, but He does. And the chances are good that someone, that many people today need to, to hear this today, that you are either have just gone through some struggles in your marriage or you're going through struggles right now, or you may not even know it, but by the time this year is up, you're going to go through the biggest struggle in your marriage that you've ever been through before. He knows that. And that's why as we go through the Word of God, it's time to preach on this. And so what I want us to do more than anything, I mean, I'm going to share with you as I pray through this things that God has put on, on my heart, but I want you to hear what the Word of God says. And I want you to go to the Word of God with God yourself and let Him speak into your life. Because what we need to do is we need to let Jesus teach us this morning. We need to listen to him. And so I want us to, to look first of all this morning, I want us to look at this, this briefly at this test that Jesus passed. And then we'll get into some of the, the teaching on marriage here. But first of all, there's the, and this is how it got into, is that there is a, is a test that, that, that Jesus passed in these first four verses here. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because whether we realize it or not, we're more like these Pharisees than we want to admit. 
There are issues going on in our own hearts, in our own life, and especially when it comes to marriage. We're more concerned about our ideas and, 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 and what is convenient for us really than what God has to say. And that's the problem. You see, we want God to fail. We wouldn't say it, but our flesh within us wants God to fail. That's what these Pharisees are doing. Look in verse, verse 2 here. He says, the Pharisees came and asked him. Now, these are religious leaders. These are religious teachers. These are those that have been teaching the Jews on marriage, on, on these principles, not these principles that Jesus has, but their own principles of marriage and things like that. And so they come to him and they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And then notice it says, testing him. They don't really want to know the answer. They don't really want to know what God has to say. They're testing him. They're trying. These Pharisees are really trying to get him to mess up. They want Jesus to fail. They 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 hoping to divide the crowd out there because there are different views. There are even different views among the Pharisees on this. There's the more liberal views of or the more conservative views that says any divorce for any situation is wrong. And and there are those that that uh, in the crowd that would agree with that and are judging people because of what they've been through. And then there's the other crowd that is saying, uh, the liberal crowd that is saying, anything goes as far as if, if, if your wife burns your toast, then you can divorce her. If, if she and, and it was really focused in on the men there, that the men were the ones that were making these decisions because if, if the wife didn't please them, if the wife got old and they didn't like the way that, that she looked, they could divorce her and find somebody younger. You know, if that's what, and, and, there, and there was teaching, they called it biblical teaching that excused that and made that okay uh, in their teaching. And they said it was okay with the Word of God. Why? Because they didn't really want to know what God had to say. They just wanted to excuse their selfish, sinful behavior. And sometimes we're right in the middle of that. Oftentimes when, so, when asked this question, is it a sin to divorce your wife. That's usually the way we put it. Is there anything, is, is, is it wrong to do that? Is it, you know, we want to ask those. Oftentimes what we're asking is, is what can I get away with? How can I do what I want to do and God still be okay with it? Preacher, tell me. I ain't got an answer for that. And neither did Jesus. A direct answer for that you see we do that with other things too that's oftentimes that's the motive behind when people ask the alcohol question they're saying you know what how close can i get to feeling good and being drunk and still not sin that's the same thing with the lottery issue and stuff like that how how can i get all this money and not ever have to work again and it still be okay with god and it comes from fleshly motives in that, we're asking the wrong questions, and they were as well. They, these guys, they're not asking how they can stay married. They're asking how they can get out of the marriage. I, I, for example, a particular man, I'm not going to go into all the details of the situation, but I know a particular man who was married, saw a woman that he wanted, Went after her, wooed her, got her away from her husband, had an affair, and then 
openly exposed, allowed that, purposefully allowed that marriage to be exposed so his wife would divorce him and her husband would divorce them so they could get married and then came back to the church after all that was done and asked for forgiveness so they could be back in ministry. Now, you may not be thinking of those extremes, but oftentimes that's what's in our hearts. It's not about doing what God says or honoring God or doing what is best. It's about what can I get away with. Let me tell you something. If in your flesh you want God to fail because it will be more convenient on you, let me tell you something. Jesus never fails. Regardless of what we say, regardless of what we come with, he's always right. And he didn't answer the question, but he gave the right answer. And he says there in in verse 3, he says, what did Moses command you? In other words, what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? You see, Jesus always aces the test. And there's going to be more as he gets into this. I love the direction that, that Jesus goes on, on this just, just because he's always right. You know, what we want to know is we want to know what if we, we're trying to decide if we want to agree with Jesus or not. Let me tell you something. If you disagree with Jesus, you will always be wrong. Jesus says what is right. He always aces the test. He may not give you the answer that you want to hear. He may not even answer the question that you're asking. But what he says is always right. That applies to marriage. That applies to everything in our lives. And this, listen, as I say that, you know, that's, that's kind of tough as we look at that. But let me, let, me, let me let you in on something. This is beautiful what Jesus does. It shows you the heart of Jesus and where he is on this issue of marriage and really with everything else in our life, but in particular this. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He is asked about marriage and he stops and he teaches. That's how much he thinks about our marriages. He wants to help your marriage and help your family be a success and be what God wants it to be. He cares. Your marriage is falling apart. Let me tell you something. Jesus cares. Your life is falling apart. Let me tell you something. Jesus cares. Your children have strayed away from the things that you've taught them over the years. and They're out there in the world doing things. You're not even sure what all they're doing, but they're not honoring God. Let me tell you something. Jesus cares. He cares. So Jesus passes the test here. And then we see the truth that Jesus taught. Picking up there in in verse 4 and on down, I'm I'm not going to read all these verses here. I read them a minute ago. I'm going to pull out some verses here. But this is what Jesus does as he begins to, he he doesn't go into the, he doesn't answer the question about divorce. What does he do? He teaches some of the foundational principles about marriage. He says, I'm not going to talk to you about, let me tell you what God expects of your marriage. Let me tell you what God has provided for your marriage. Let me tell you God's plan for your marriage. And so that's what he's, he's, he's doing here in this. He, he doesn't talk about divorce, but he talks about marriage. And by the way, we talked about those other issues as well. The issue is not how much alcohol can I drink without getting drunk and, and without violating God's word. The issue is, are you controlled by the spirit of God or are you controlled by your own flesh? 
That's, that's what Jesus talks about. The issue with the lottery and stuff is not how can I get this money and never have to, to work in. The issue is who's in control of your finances? Is God in control of that? Or are you just are or, or, or are you in control of that? Is your flesh in control of it? Do you think you're gonna find happiness and in, in, in financial well-being out there? Or is your happiness and your joy found in your relationship with God? That's the issue. And it's the same with marriage. It's not how can, how can my marriage make me happy, but it's how can I honor God in my marriage. And it's, it's a totally different thing here. They wanted an excuse for divorce. God says, here's how you can make your marriage what God wants it to be. And he teaches on that, how to have a godly and good marriage, how to have a marriage that honors God and is healthy. Here's this solid foundation that he gets. First of all, he addresses the problem in marriage in verse 5. And he says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. The reason Moses had to teach on divorce for the Jews and the reason Jesus later on has to say some things and the reason why Paul has to say some things later on is because our hearts are not where they should be. And that's why divorce comes. You see, the reality of marriage, as beautiful as a wedding ceremony can be and as biblical as the, the, the ceremony and the vows are and stuff, a marriage is a joining of two sinful, selfish people. We're, we're not perfect in that area. Hopefully, we have learned how to die to ourselves and how to sacrifice of ourselves and serve others. That's the, that's the foundation of a good marriage. But we've got to recognize that, that left to ourselves, if we try to do this all by ourselves, if we just do it the way that we want to do it, it's going to mess up. It's going to be broken. It's going to, it's going to fall apart. So goes, why? Because we have, we have the, the, this heart that is, becomes hardened to those things. You see, divorce is a result of, of sin. Whatever, when sin comes into that marriage, you say, well, my, my spouse cheated on me. There you go. There's the sin, all right? And so it, 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 there's, divorce is because sin has, has come into it, and there's a sin, and oftentimes there's a sinful response to the sin that, that comes in there. See, the problem is us. We need to fix us before we can fix our marriages. And matter of fact, if we fix us, most of the things in our marriage that need to be fixed will be fixed when God fixes us. Because that's the plan. There's the plan of marriage. He goes back to the beginning in verse 6 where he says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And that's why he puts us together. He goes back to beginning. And that's what he's, what he's saying here is that God is the one that puts those marriages together. You want to know who is the one you're supposed to marry? If you're married, you found it. You found it. Don't be wondering if it's somebody else. And you say, well, I wasn't, I wasn't following God when I got married. God knows that. And he still puts you together. Well, I made a lot of mistakes and stuff, and, and, and even when I got, God knows all that. He puts you together. He can overcome your mistakes. Whoever you're married to at this point is the person that God wants you to stay married to. He wants you to honor him in that. God is big enough that he can overcome our mistakes, and that is his plan. Marriage was God's idea, not man's idea. He instituted the marriage and put Adam and Eve together before they ever sinned. That was is God's ideal. It is God's plan. And he's the one that, that makes that choice, not us. 
And, and we need to have that surrendered relationship where we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow him. And you say, well, you don't know who I'm married to. I don't, but God does. And it's his plan. Trust him. He can make it work. He can. And then he speaks of the purity of marriage. In verse 7, he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Marriage, the union of marriage, it, it is a physical union. It is an emotional union. It is a relational union. And in God's eyes, all of that is good. It is the way that he created us. And we can fulfill the, those needs in a pure and holy and God-honoring way through marriage. We need those relationships. We need the physical aspect of me. We need the emotional aspect. We need the spiritual aspect of me. We need the relational aspect. Man is not, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he, he puts us together. It is God's plan before sin ever came. And, and it is a, a pure and godly thing. Any of that outside of marriage will destroy you. Whether it be before you ever get married or while you're married. Any of that outside of the marriage bond will destroy you. Within the marriage bond, it can fulfill you. The purity of marriage. Jesus is teaching some good stuff here. And then he talks about the permanence of marriage. In verse 9. He says, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That word join means you're yoked together. Yoked together. And this is what he's talking about with me. We're yoked together. We're, we're a team to follow after God. We're yoked together to serve God. And let me, let me just say this. You know, in our society, we talk about divorce papers and things like that. That wasn't around back then. No sheet of paper can nullify the work of God. And he, that's what he's going to be talking about here in a minute. He's not going to talk about sheets of paper and things like that. They didn't have sheets of paper back then. And just because you've got a sheet of paper, that doesn't mean that, that God's work is, is undone there. And then he talks about the purpose of marriage. Notice what he says here. This is, this is it. It says, therefore, what God has joined together. What God has joined together. Let me say that again. What God has joined together. It's the work of God. And so marriage is a place where we are to follow God. Follow after him where we together we follow after him. And when the challenges come and the difficulties come, and they will. Why? Go back to number one. Because of our own sinful, selfish hearts that are there, the challenges are going to come. But we work together to follow after him. Listen, let me, let me just kind of sum the, these truths up here. The, the, per, the foundation, what is the foundation of marriage? The foundation of marriage is Jesus Christ. 
He's the one that instituted. It was his idea. He's the one that gave Eve to Adam. He is the one that is, is, is it, 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 it is, it is Jesus that is the, the foundation of our marriage. And therefore, the foundation of your marriage, where you are, is what? It is your personal relationship with God. It will never, the fulfillment within marriage, the, the, the purity of your marriage, the, 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 the success of your marriage, however you want to, to term that, it'll never, listen to me, it'll never rise above your personal relationship with God. Because Why? Because Jesus is the foundation of it. Marriage is, is his gift, and, and regardless of who you're married to, God can make something beautiful and fulfilling out of that if you will build it upon him, upon his word. We want a, we want a list of do's and, and, and don'ts, and, and basically we want that so that we can get away with some other things or just because it's, it's convenient. But listen, the, all the do's and don'ts and lists, it'll never, it'll never bring success. It'll never, these, these things will never happen till we fix all our relationship with God. That, that's what's got to be. And when this is fixed, even where, where this goes wrong, even where our spouse makes choices that we have no control over, we'll still be okay if this is fixed. And we'll respond in a way to that that honors God when this is fixed. The things that we don't have control over, we can leave that with God and we can be okay with it when our relationship with God is, is, is where it should be. And, and where the things where we do have a, a, a problem, where we haven't handled this right, we can get it fixed if our relationship with God is fixed. See, some of us, we reach that point in our lives when our marriage goes bad. And I've, I've counseled with many men at this situation over the years where, where what we want, we want our marriage fixed, but we don't really want him. We just want him to fix our marriage. And I've seen that happen so many times where, where someone, and, and of course, they'll be weeping and they'll be crying, and, and that's okay. They're, 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 if your marriage is broken, that, that's a time to weep and cry. But as soon as they get what they want, they go right back to what they were doing before. It's about our relationship with God. Husbands, you want to fulfill the needs of your wife? Fall deeply in love with Jesus. And walk with Him. And listen to him, and he'll tell you about needs that your wife has that you never knew about. Wives, you want to fulfill the needs of your husband and have a godly husband that serves God. You fall deeply in love with Jesus. And pray for him out of a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Minister to him out of a love for him that God has put in your heart. Jesus doesn't teach on divorce, he teaches on marriage. Why? Because he cares for your marriage. And he must be the foundation of your marriage. And then we have these last three verses where. Jesus makes some application. 
the application is made. In verse 10, the disciples ask him again about it. Why? Because he didn't answer the question. <laughs> and they're, they're still not there yet, okay? These disciples. And so we want to compare ourselves to the disciples. Oftentimes we said the disciples are, are better than us, but the disciples still don't get it, and sometimes we don't get it. And so Jesus says, okay. Remember the hard heart. He says, I don't. Basically, Jesus said, I don't know if you're ready to receive this or not. But he teaches there. Verse 11, he says, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Basically, He's given a little more detail on what, Jesus, on what God says in Malachi where he says, I hate divorce. There are things that happen that divorce comes into a family either because we're not listening to God or one's not listening to God or, or things like that, but divorce is never God's perfect plan. See, basically what he's saying here is divorce is wrong. Divorce is not his plan. He gives, you know, basically saying that divorce is, well, divorce number one is disobedience to the word of God. It's a division of one flesh. How can you divide one flesh? What God has joined together, let not man separate. There's a spiritual union that is being broken there. And God is not pleased with that. God is not honored by that. It is destructive to the family. It is a disruption to God's plan. It's a denial of God's power. I want to go ahead and end it now and not give God time to operate and, and to bring forgiveness and restoration in the midst of it. I don't want forgiveness and restoration, even though God says that we ought to be pursuing forgiveness and restoration. That's not what I want, so I'm going to do what I want. God's perfect plan is don't do it. Don't do it. Let your marriage grow. Grow in your marriage. Forgive one another. Learn how to deny yourself. And let me tell you something. There's no better place to learn how to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him than in that marriage relationship. Learn how to serve. He's already talked about who's the greatest among you. Let him be the servant of all. And in that all is your spouse. Learn how to serve. Learn how to love unconditionally. And where you're struggling in these areas, get help. It's what the church is here for. Get help from other believers that have been through some of the same things you're going through. Get help from those who know God's Word and can direct you where to go in, in, in God's Word. Divorce is not His plan. But the good news is, is that God can heal our hearts. Let me go back to where, where I was earlier in verse 1. 
Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of Jordan. Where is Jesus going? To the cross. To the cross. That means when we have messed up royally, the cross is going to be enough. Our sins can be forgiven. And not only can our sins be forgiven, but our sins can be overcome. Jesus can set us free. And so, if you've been through divorce, this is the word for you, okay? If you're going through a, a, a broken marriage right now, and, and you say, well, what, what do I do about that? You know, and, and, and I'll, or your marriage is struggling right now. Or if, even, even if that's not the case, you've just been cruising along and everything's been going fine. Let me tell you, the cruising's going to stop at some point. There's going to be bumps in the road that, that come. Chances are is that if you are cruising along right now, you're just, not, you're just being oblivious to some things that are going on because it, it, is, it is hard there. What do we do? We go to the cross. Go to the cross, because at the cross, that's where we make our past right. That's where Jesus makes our past right. We come to him with our sin, and Jesus, through his death on the cross, brings forgiveness. He, we seek forgiveness. We find forgiveness there, and we find the freedom that we make. Everything can be taken care of when we bring it to the cross. At the cross is where Jesus makes our past right. And not only that, but it's at the cross where Jesus makes our present isn't right. We, we love and we forgive our spouses. How? In light of the cross. Because the grace that's been shown to us, we show grace to others because of the example of service that's been shown to us and that Jesus lives within us through his power and his strength. We serve and we minister and we wash feet for, for one another. We do this one right. And we can. Why? Because of the cross, Jesus has taken care of everything. And because of the cross and Jesus has taken care of everything there, he, he is my life. And so I don't live the way my spouse deserves it. I live the way my Savior deserves it. And they may not deserve my forgiveness but he does. So I'll forgive you because he's forgiven me. And I'll love you because he loves me. As a matter of fact, I can't, I can't love the way I should. But Jesus lives with him. And he'll help me. And he'll strengthen me. And he'll empower me. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.